Good morning. Man, great to see everybody here this morning. Well, as you can see, and as Luke announced this morning, right now we're in the middle of a series entitled Making the Right Choice. And what we're doing in this series is we're talking about some of those important choices that we make on a daily basis. And, and that goes for all of us. All of us have to make these important choices. And, and here's the deal. Our choices are so important, and I mentioned this in lesson number one, that really we are the sum, the sum total of these choices that we make. In other words, who I am today is because of the choices that I've made in the past. And who I'm going to be in the future and what I'm going to be able to do in the future really depends on the choices that I'm making right now, today. And so, man, our choices are so important. And that's why I really believe that this series is important. In week number one, we talked about the importance of choosing purpose over popularity. Last week, we talked about the importance of choosing surrender over control. And listen, if you missed either one of those lessons, I want to encourage you to go back and watch them. You can watch it off of our webpage, our church page, or you can watch it off of our YouTube page. We also have podcasts, and so I want to encourage you to do that. But let me introduce our third topic, our third choice like this. Now, brace yourself, okay? We're all going to experience pain in this life. Welcome to Central. We're so glad to have you this morning where we always have an encouraging word for you, right? This is the truth. We all experience pain. Every single one of us. Now, let me say this. Some of that pain that we experience will be outside of our control. Right? Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world you will what, church? You will have trouble, and a lot of times this trouble, this pain that comes our way is not our fault, right? How many of you have ever been in a car accident and it wasn't your fault, right? So, some, of you, some of you have, some of you were the cause of the wreck. But sometimes it's not your fault. This happened to my daughter, Charleston, just a couple of weeks ago. She was sitting at a traffic light. It was red, and someone came up from behind her and just rammed into her. And it wasn't her fault. The individual who hit her was on his phone, and he wasn't paying attention and just smacked her from behind. And sometimes that happens. And she had pain in her neck. She had pain in her, in her shoulder, a little bit of whiplash. And that was pain that was caused from someone else. It, it wasn't within her, her control. Or it may be that maybe, um, you know, a loved one has betrayed you. And it wasn't your fault. They left you for someone else. Or it could be that your company decided to downsize and you just happened to be the person that got cut. It wasn't anything that you did, but because of the downsizing, you got laid off. And so again, some pain that comes into our life is beyond our control, but some pain 
And this is where we're going to start to get into our lesson this morning. Some pain is within our control. In fact, write this down this morning. We will have a choice between one type of pain or another. That's important. We will have a choice between one type of pain or another. For example, young people, you get to choose between the pain of obeying your parents today or the pain of disobeying your, pay, uh, your parents and the consequences that you're going to face later. Adults, you get to choose between the pain, the pain of living within your means today or you can choose the pain of battling a mountain of debt Later, college students, you get to choose between the pain of studying for that exam today or experiencing the pain of retaking that class later. Are you with me? You follow what I'm saying? Sometimes we have to make a choice. We choose our own pain. And so here's the important choice that we're going to be talking about this morning. Choosing the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. How many of you have had times of regret where you've thought back and you've said, man, I wish I hadn't have said that, I wish I hadn't have done that, or I wish I had have said that, or I wish I had have done that. Well, we're choosing the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. Now, let me give you a definition of discipline this morning, and I, I really believe that there are several, but this is the one we're going to go with today. Discipline is choosing between what we want now and what we want most. Let me say that again. Discipline is choosing between what we want now and what we want most. And I'm just going to go ahead and warn you this morning. Somebody, some of you already know this. This is really, really tough. In fact, if you look at Romans chapter 7, you have the Apostle Paul, probably one of the most godly men who has ever lived. But notice what Paul says in verse 15. He says, I really don't understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I watch church, but I don't do it. Instead, he says, I do what I what? I do what I hate. He goes on to say in verse 19, I want to do what's good, but I watch church. But I don't. And he says, I, want, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I what? But I do it anyway. Listen to what, listen to what Paul is saying. This godly, this godly man, he says, there have been times in my life when, when I wanted to do what was right, but I, I didn't do it. And, and there were times in my life when I didn't want to do what was wrong, and I ended up doing it anyway. How many of you can honestly... Admit, man, I've been there, Paul. I, I feel you. I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, he goes on in verse 21. He says, I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably, what church? I inevitably do what is wrong. Now, if the Apostle Paul struggles with this, one of the most godly men, really, that ever walked the face of this earth, I think it's probably 
you know, fair to say that this is something that all of us struggle with. There are, there are times, right, when, when we're not disciplined like we should, when we don't have the self-control that we should. I mean, we, we want to do what's right, but we end up doing what's wrong. Or, or we don't want to do what's wrong, and, and we do it anyway. And Paul talks about that struggle. Discipline, self-control can be really, really tough. And so as we look at the Apostle Paul, thinking to ourselves, man, if Paul struggles, struggled with this, what can we do? Well, I'm going to share several things with you this morning that I hope is going to encourage us all to make the right choice, to choose discipline over the pain of regret. Turn with me, if you've got your Bibles, to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 1 or verse 8 in just a few minutes. Daniel was a guy who was extremely disciplined. I mean, he really was. In, in fact, we have this story in chapter 1 where Daniel and his friends and family, they live in Jerusalem when all of a sudden King Nebuchadnezzar this, this king, he rides into town with his army and he conquers Daniel and his people. He conquers their city. And then Nebuchadnezzar decides to take the smartest and the brightest people, the brightest Jews, back to his kingdom, back to Babylon to help him with his kingdom there. And it was a, a brilliant plan. And Daniel was one of those bright and smart people that he decided to bring back to, Bab to Babylon. But when Nebuchadnezzar gets them to his palace, he decides, first of all, that he is going to... To prepare food for the Jewish people. He's gonna have his cooks, his chefs, make some food that's gonna be really rich and, and really good from his own royal table so that he can fatten them up and, and really get them looking healthy. But notice what Daniel does, notice his response. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Isn't that crazy? Daniel resolved not to eat the food. He's like, I, I, I cannot eat this. Now some of you are scratching your head and you're thinking to yourself, why in the world would Daniel not eat the food? Well, we're going to come back to that in just a minute, but I want us to begin with this question. How did he say no? How could he say no to the king's food? I mean, first of all, it could have cost him his life, but second of all, why would you want to say no? I mean, this was from his table. This was probably the best of the best. And Daniel had already resolved, when I get to Babylon, I am not going to defile myself with this food, with the king's food. Which really brings us to our next question, and that is, why? What was, what was wrong with the king's food? Well, notice what it says. If he would have eaten this food, he would have defiled himself. 
And you say, well, in what way? Well, probably in at least two ways. First of all, you remember, some of you probably remember from the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 11. You can go back and you can read this for yourself. God had a dietary food law for His people, for the Jews. There were certain things that they could eat and certain things that they couldn't eat. One of the things that they couldn't eat was pork. I'm telling you, if I'd have been a Jew, I would have died back then. I mean, I am a, a huge pork person. I am a barbecue junkie. In fact, for our care group today, after services, we're eating pork, okay? So they couldn't eat pork. As far as sea creatures were concerned, this will really kill some of you. They had to eat uh, sea creatures that had fins and scales. That means that they couldn't have shrimp, they couldn't have crab, they couldn't have lobster. Couldn't be on the menu. And, and they couldn't eat anything with grain that was uh, risen or fermented. Guess what? No yeast rolls. Like that takes all the fun out of life. You know what I'm saying? No pork, no lobster, no yeast rolls. And, and they, couldn't, they couldn't have this. And, and so there were certain foods that they could eat and certain foods that they couldn't eat according to this law that, that God had, had set aside for His people. And more than likely, that didn't line up with the king's food. But also, this was a pagan culture. And in most pagan cultures during that time, they would offer their food and their wine to their gods. And to eat of that food that was offered to their gods would have meant that they were honoring their gods. And, and they weren't to do that. In fact, you can look at it, Exodus chapter 34, verses 14 through 15. And, and this carries on into the New Testament. One of the things that they could not do was to eat food that was offered to idols or, or to these false gods. And so more than likely, it was one of those two things. And Daniel had already decided, when I get to Babylon, I am not going to defile myself. The text says that he had resolved. Some of your translations may say he purposed in his heart, which is in the past tense. In other words, Daniel decided in advance. Are you with me? In advance that he was only going to eat stuff that honored God. And so write this down this morning. Discipline takes advance planning. That's what we learn from Daniel. I mean, we, we get into to this story, and it, it was not only Daniel, but there were three other men, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and they had decided beforehand, they had resolved, we are not going to eat the king's food. And the king's servant came to them and was like, listen, you guys are going to get me in trouble. If you don't eat the king's food and you end up looking less healthy than all the rest of the people that came over with you, I'm going to get in trouble. And so this is what Daniel says. He says, look, he says, test me. Daniel 1 verse 12, test me for, for 10 days. And after 10 days of allowing us to eat just vegetables and, and drinking water, you can compare. If we don't measure up to the ones who are eating the king's food, then we'll do whatever you want us to do. And so he tests Daniel and his three friends, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and they ended up looking better than all the others. 
But here's the point. David and his friends resolved. He planned in advance. He was not going to defile himself. And here's what happened. His discipline put him in a position to where God could use him and his friends in a big way. Look at verse 17. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And and if you read through the book of Daniel, man, God used not only Daniel, but these three men to do big things in this pagan culture. To really even get the king to glorify and honor God. The one true God. But write this down. Here's three things that discipline does. First of all, it puts us in a position to be blessed. There's a proverb. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 5 that says this. Good planning... Advanced planning and hard work leads to what, church? Leads to prosperity. And so as we plan in, in advance, whether it's with our marriage or, or whether it's with our jobs, listen, or, or whether it's with our own spiritual lives, listen, we will be blessed. But also, it puts us in a position to be a blessing to others. When we are disciplined people, when we practice self-control, that carries over to others as well, doesn't it? And you're going to see that as you read the book of Daniel as well. But then lastly and most importantly, when we are disciplined, it puts us in a position to bring glory and honor to God. When we control what we say, and we control what we do. When we are disciplined in who we are to be who God wants us to be, let me tell you something, it brings honor to God. And that's probably one of the biggest things that we see in the book of Daniel. As Daniel is disciplined, as he is who God has called him to be, man, what a difference it makes. And literally, it gets to the point to where the whole kingdom is looking to God. But discipline requires advanced planning. Now, on the flip side of that, the opposite of that, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5 again, good planning and hard work leads to prosperity. But what, church? What's that word? Hasty Hasty shortcuts leads to what? In other words, listen to me, we can't plan on the fly. We are not good at making decisions in the heat of the moment. For example, listen to me this morning, the Bible says that we are to remain pure sexually until marriage. Slate doesn't say that, God does. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. God says sexual intercourse is for the marriage bed, period. So listen to me this morning. If you are single, you have got to plan in advance. You have got to decide now, I am going to live as God has called me to live. I'm going to be pure. And so what that may mean for some of you is you say, listen, I'm going to keep myself out of dangerous situations where I may be I may be tempted. I'm going to start dating in a group. 
I'm going to make sure that me and my boyfriend or me and my girlfriend, as, as far as we can help it, do not get in a situation where we're alone together. Because here's the deal, listen to me, you can't wait till you're alone in the back seat of a car to say, you know what, I'm going to be disciplined in this. I don't need to, to do this. Before we ever get into that situation, we've, we've already got to have planned in our heads not to go there. And the same is true for those of you who are married. Listen, you've, you've got to start planning now to, to keep from, from uh, you know, getting with someone else. You've, you've got to be careful not to be with someone, the opposite sex, by yourself. If you can help it with, with all possibility, because things can happen. We've got to plan in advance if we're going to stay disciplined and self-controlled. To live pure and, and God-honoring. It's, it's like a disciplined diet. Listen, you don't wait till you're sitting at an all-you-can-eat buffet to decide, you know what, I, I need to be careful about what I eat. I need to be careful about how much I eat. No, you don't need to go. If, if you're worried about your diet, if you're worried about your weight, you don't need to go to an all-you-can-eat buffet, period, right? you got to stay away from that. You've got to make some advanced planning to make sure that you don't fall to that temptation. You don't pull in at Krispy Kreme, David. <laughs> right? And say, I'm not going to eat donuts. you got to plan in advance. Here's number two. Discipline takes the power of God. And this may be the most important thing that I say all morning. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, this is what the Spirit of God produces in you as a Christian. Okay? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and why church? Self-control. Notice, discipline is a God thing. We've got to have the Lord ruling and leading our lives if we're going to grow in discipline. Because here's the deal, guys. We're dealing in the flesh. And Paul says the flesh is weak. I mean, you go back to Romans chapter 7, and again, I wanted us to look at Romans chapter 7 because it's almost kind of encouraging. I mean, when you see a guy like Paul who will openly admit and be honest, yeah, I have some struggles too. It's, it's kind of encouraging to you. You don't feel such like a loser, right? You know, hey, I, I, Paul struggled with this too. I can overcome this too. But notice what Paul says. I want to do what's right. I want to do what's good. He says, but I don't. And then he goes on in verse 24 to say, Who can save me from this life dominated by sin and death? And he talks about how miserable he is. I don't want to do what's right. I don't want to do what's wrong. And I end up doing it anyway. And he says, I'm just, I'm miserable. Who can save me? Who can help me? And then he goes on to answer his own question in the very next verse. He says, thank God the answer is what, church? The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Who can save me? Who can, who can help me? 
And Paul's conclusion was the Lord. Listen, don't miss this. On our own, we're prone to making the wrong choices. Bad choices. But with the help of the Lord, we can be empowered to choose what we want, not what we want now, but what we really want most. With the help of the Lord, we can choose discipline over regret. Paul talks about the strength that we receive from the Lord in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. For some of you, you quote this verse. It's one of your favorite verses. And that's awesome because we need to remember this. For I can do what, church? I can do all things or everything. And guess what? That includes our choices. Making the right choices. I can do everything through who? Through Christ who does what? who gives me the strength. The Lord will give you the strength to make the right choice. But we got to give it to Him. We can't say, I, listen, I can do this. Listen, I can, I can overcome this addiction. I can, I can stay away from lust. Whatever the case may be. No, listen, we need to look to the Lord. Through the Lord, through His power, through His strength. I can say no. I can be disciplined in this area. Discipline takes the power of God. And then lastly, number three, discipline takes remembering the why. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, Paul, and we talked about this not too long ago, Paul uses this imagery or this metaphor for a race. And this is what he says. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person what? Only one person gets the prize. And so what does he say? Run to what, church? Run to win. I think we all understand this, right? When, when we're talking about an athlete, when, when we're talking about a physical race, an, an athlete who is running a physical race, these athletes are not running for second place, right? No way. I mean, if, if, I'm running a, if I'm running a race, I am running to win. And, and that's what, what all these athletes do today. They're, they're running with every bit of focus, every, every bit of intensity and power they have so that they can what, church? So they can win. I'm not running for second place. I'm not running for third place. I'm running to win. And then he goes on to say in the very next verse, and so all athletes are what? Are disciplined in their training. These athletes, they want first place. These athletes, they want the prize. And because of that, their why is that prize. Their why is to win that race. And so, what do they do? They discipline themselves. During Paul's day, they had something known, and we talked about this, as the Ithmian Games. And it's kind of like our Olympics. It was very popular, and to win, I mean, was a, was a huge thing of honor. And so these athletes that would participate in the Ithmian Games, they would go into very strict 
10 months training where they couldn't have any junk food, they couldn't have any alcohol, they would expose themselves to extreme heat and extreme cool temperatures to shock and train and even discipline their bodies. And as you look at all this, you go, man, why would they put themselves through that? Why, why, would, they, why would they go through that? And the answer is this, to win. That's their why. They wanted to win the race. They wanted the glory. They wanted the pride of winning that race, to have that prize. And listen, if we're going to win in any area of our life, we've got to choose what we want most over what we want now. For example, what I want most is to be in shape. What I want now is an entirely different thing. What I want now is to go home, sit on my couch, watch television for the next couple of hours, eat whatever I want, and not exercise whatsoever. Are you with me? But what I want most is to be in shape. And so I've got to excuse, I've got to put out of my mind what I want now. For example, this week, and it's just amazing how God works. Eddie had no idea what I was going to be talking about this week, but Eddie uh, comes up to me and he goes, man, how do you stay in such good shape? And I said, well, Julie and I, we work out with weights during the week, but we also run three miles several times a week. And Eddie looked at me and he goes, I just got to be honest with you, I hate running. He said, I, I don't like to run. You know, I, I don't mind running when I'm playing sports, but as far as running, he says, I don't know how you do it, man. I don't, I don't know how you're such a disciplined person to run three miles several times a week. And I said, you know, it's kind of funny that you say that, Eddie. And I told him what I was ta talking about. And I said, but here's the truth of the matter. If I'm honest, Julie and I both hate running with a passion. True story, true story. Just this past week, Julie and I were out doing some shopping. We're passing a shop, and she turns to me, and she goes, I want that shirt back there. And I said, what shirt was it? I, I didn't even see it. What did it say? And she said, it read, I hate running. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I want the shirt next to it. She goes, what did it say? I said, me too. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we just absolutely despise it. And in fact, this week we're running and Julie turns to me. She goes, why are we even doing this? And I had to remind her of the why. I'm like, listen, honey, we're, we're doing this so we can keep up with our kids and so we can keep up with our grandkids. And I've even got a bigger why than she does. Julie's always been tiny, but at one point in my, my life, I got up to 225 pounds. I was huge. I, I was pushing out of a 36, and I was going into a 38 in the waist. And I felt terrible. I started having uh, health issues and I decided one day, I was like, I don't, I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to be this way anymore. And my Aunt Jennifer gave me a book on how to eat right. And I started eating healthy. And I started exercising at least one hour a day. And within a couple of months, I lost 40 pounds. I went from 225 all the way down at, at one point to 180. I even got down into the 170s. But it was my why. I don't, I don't want to go back there. 
That's, that's why I get out and I run and I exercise and I try and, and stay in shape because I, I don't want to go back to this. I, don't, I didn't enjoy feeling bad. I didn't enjoy coming in from work going, Julie, I'm going to take a nap. I'm just, I'm physically just not feeling well. And so I keep those two pictures on my cell phone to remind me of why I get out there and I run. And, and that's the key. We have to remember the why, and, and I want you to think about this from a spiritual sense. I want you to think about this from spiritual discipline and, and why we want to live for God. And I started thinking about that this week, and my mind kept coming back to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 6, where the Hebrew writer says, by rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing Him to the cross once again and holding Him up to public shame. Let me tell you something, guys. I don't know about you, but I don't want to nail Jesus to the cross again by the way I'm living. I do not want to hold Him up before this world in public shame. I don't want to bring shame to Him. I certainly don't want to bring shame upon the church. And, and I, I don't want to bring shame upon my wife. And, and I don't want to disappoint my kids. Think about what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.25. He goes on to say they do it to win a prize that will fade away. He says, but we do it for an eternal prize. These, these physical runners that are running these races, they, they're disciplined. They, they put themselves through all this so that they can win a, a trophy, the best of the best. You know, they can, they can win a medal, gold medal. But all that stuff fades away. But as Jesus followers, we do it to get an eternal prize. And that's to, to be with, with God for all eternity. And so we run to win. We're doing it to honor and glorify the one who gave his life for us. And so this morning, I leave you with two questions What do you want most? Write it down. Think, think about it. Think about it. What do you want most? For some of you, you may say, well, you know, I, I want to be in good shape. For some of you, you may say, you know what, I want to have a better marriage. I don't, I don't want to just, you know, have a partner who's basically just a, a business partner. I, I want to have a marriage that has intimacy. I, I want to have a marriage that is absolutely phenomenal. It's, it's great. For others of you, you may say, well, I want to get out of debt. I want, I want to pay off those student loans, and, and I want to pay off all those credit cards. What is it for you? What do you want most? For some of you, you may say, I want to have a, a better relationship with Jesus. I want to have a better relationship with God. What do you want most? And then here's question number two. What do you need to choose now to achieve what you want most. For those of you who may say, well, I want to have a better relationship with Jesus. Well, then you need to choose to get into His Word. You need to choose to talk to Him in prayer. You need to choose no, no, no other option. You need to choose to be here every Sunday to worship Him. You need to choose... To join a church family, a, a community of believers who can encourage you and strengthen you in that relationship in the Lord. You need to, to choose to seek Him first. 
What do you need to choose now? Some of you say, well, I, I want to have a better marriage. And what I want most is, is a great marriage. Well, then maybe what you need to choose is to pray with your spouse. Maybe what you need to do is to choose to block off several times a month uh, a date night, no kids, no interruptions, where you two can go off and spend time together. Maybe you need to choose to get some marital counseling. I want to get out of debt. Well, maybe for you, you need to choose to take a Dave Ramsey course. You say, well, I've already done the Dave Ramsey course, and I just got to be honest with you, the budgeting and, I mean, just living a different lifestyle, it's, it's hard. It's, it's really, really tough. Well, listen to me. You're going to have to choose your pain. You can choose the pain of discipline, or you can choose the pain of regret. And based on what you told me just a few minutes ago, I don't think there's anyone in here who loves those feelings of regret. And so here's the deal. If we do not do something now about what we want most, that will very likely become our greatest regret. I don't want regrets. I don't want to be the father who says... I'd give anything to go back and spend time with my kids. I, I would, you know, I'd give anything to go back and cherish and spend time with my wife. I'd give anything to go back and, and not, you know, giving myself over to that lust, you know, to where our marriage was just absolutely destroyed. I don't want regrets. And so the bottom line is this, we all have a choice. And so if we don't want regret, then we need to choose discipline. And we need to understand that that's going to take some pre-planning. That's going to take the strength in the power of God, and we've got to remind ourselves constantly of the why. Why am I doing this? Because I don't like feeling like this. Why, why am I doing this? Because I don't, I don't want any regrets. I don't want to disappoint my husband. I don't want to disappoint my kids. I don't want to bring shame to Christ. We've got we to gotta remember the why. This morning... Let's go ahead and have a prayer. This morning, if, if you need prayers, just raise your hand this morning. I'm, I'm going to pray for you. Don't, you don't be embarrassed. You don't have to come forward or anything like that. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning. And Father, I think this is one of those areas where we all struggle with at times, being who we need to be practicing di discipline and, and self-control. And, and it's so hard because we have this pull from our, our flesh. The Spirit's willing, but the flesh is so weak. And so, Father, we need You to empower us. We, we, just, we need Your strength. We need You to remind us of why we're, we're doing this, why we're running this race. And, and Father, we just also pray that You will help us to start planning, making some decisions now as to what we're going to do.
as to who we're going to be. And, and Father, again, that's going to take your strength. And so, Father, we just we lay this at your feet. We pray that you will uh, just empower us to be everything that you want us to be. And we pray that you will also use us to be a blessing to others, but also through our lives, we just pray, Father, that you will help us to bring you glory and honor. Several people this morning have, have raised their hand, Father, that need strength. They, they need your help in this area. And so, Father, we just lay them at your feet. I'm not going to name their names because you already know who they are. And Father, I know that there are some this morning who need to make the decision to give their life to you, to put on Christ in baptism, having all their sins completely washed away, to be empowered by your Spirit, to have your Spirit living within them, Father. Help them to make that decision. Help us all to live every day for you. No regrets. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this prayer. Amen.